for our time this morning. Um, Psalm 42, and I'm going to try and make this as short as possible. And this is pretty tough. We, we said, hey, we're going to do a shorter sermon for, for kind of family Sunday. And so I'm taking what I could easily do in 60 minutes. And many of you know I can do that, right? I'm trying to take that and put it into 20 to 25. And so we're going to really move pretty quick. I understand that. Um, but, uh, but I think we can still mine some really good depths of this text. Psalm 42 is a psalm of lament and desperation. Right? It is a psalm where uh, we see the sons of Korah, and we'll talk about who they are in just a moment, in this desperate moment, not for the things of God, but for God himself. Right? They, are, they are experiencing a distance and a gap from God whom they love, and they want to be reunited with him. And so we're going to navigate what that means, uh, what that meant for them, what that means for us today. So let's pray for uh, that type of heart even this morning. For those of us who know Jesus and those even who don't, would we desire to come today to learn more about him, and not just learn more about him, but to know him personally and experience his presence. Let's pray now. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. Man, you are so good to us. You are so faithful, and God, we long to be with you. If our hearts are in a place where they do not long that, God, would you move us to and away from uh, the things that would divide us from you this morning? God, we have a desire that is put in there by you, a, a spirit that is on fire and a flame that convicts us to pursue you. God, outside of your work this morning, we learn nothing and we go nowhere. And so would you be here? Would you teach us, shape us, and make us more like Jesus? It's in your name we pray. Amen. Um, so I introduced my son, Finley, and this is the first time he's ever going to hear an illustration uh, in here that he actually is in here for. And so my son, Finley, like many of your children and parents, you're really going to get this, um, if they really want something, right? And, and so if they long for something, whether it be uh, food, like if I take Finley over, uh, he'll start knocking on the refrigerator door, right? This is totally my son. And, and he can't open it up quite yet because he can't reach the handle. And so he calls me over, daddy, daddy, daddy. And, uh, and so I come over and I open the door and he sees like just beams of light, come from the refrigerator, right? The, all of these things are beckoning him come and enjoy, right? There's, there's cheese and there's meat and there's fruit and there's juices and there's all of these great things, right? Um, and so uh, we usually give him one or we you know, let him pick something, but he doesn't always get what he wants. Sometimes we say, ah, you know, you've had too much of this, and so we say no. And so again, if you're a parent, you'll know this. Sometimes this does not go well with children, Sometimes when you say, hey, oh, this is what you want, sorry, you can't have that, uh, there's a thing that is, you know, called a meltdown, right? Um, and so my son's meltdown for a long time, and yes, I'm going to act this out, was, was this crying, weeping thing that went from happiness and smile to utter brokenness and pain in the span of one second, right? So it was, no, you can't have that, and I'm not going to scream, but it was, when crying, and the world's going to end, and you hate me, and, and then he would fall on the ground as hard as he could, and this I'm going to be careful with because I'm old, but he would fall, and he would slam his head back onto the ground, right? And he would hurt himself, okay? He learned to not do that because it hurt him. So now he still wants to express that desire, but he does it in a way that doesn't cause himself pain. So now he falls, and instead of he's losing, he's crying, but then he goes like this. He goes, <laughs> you know, and he's just losing it, okay? Here's why I tell that story. For some reason, in my son's mind and in my son's heart, 
this piece of fruit, this toy that he couldn't have, this thing that we took from him, where we would not allow him to go, whatever the thing that he could not have, there was such this well of emotion that he could not control it, that he could not have it. And so the only thing he knows to do is to fall on the ground and long and weep for it. When we look at today and we see the desperation of the author, the desire he has for God, I, I honestly went right to my son freaking out over not getting a piece of food. I think today for many of the adults in the room, we check our emotion all the time. We reserve our emotion. And so it, this longing that I think we can experience for God, sometimes I think we almost intentionally keep in check because we're not supposed to be that emotional. We're not supposed to long for something that much. We're supposed to do it kind of more casually and let's keep it inside and things like that. The desperation for God, I think, moves us probably closer to my son longing for candy than it does than the way I see myself worshiping any given day. How much do we want God? I was reading a book recently, and this quote just really jumped out to me. And, and this guy was doing a study uh, across uh, America and just visiting different churches and analyzing ministries. And he, and he said this. He said, you know, I found a great deal of zeal for God's work, uh, but very little passion for God himself. So, so I, had this, I saw this incredible zeal and desire to, to grow the church and for ministries to be moving and shaping and, and doing things in the city. But you know what I didn't see was all that much a care for God himself. It, it was about the things he does for them, the things he wants to do in the world, but, but not too much just about God and spending time with God and knowing God and the goodness of God. What we get today is an opportunity as a church to understand and check our own hearts. Where are we at? Do we desire God? And what does it look like when he feels distant? Even though the claim will be today, he should not. Okay. He should not feel that way for the New Testament church. So I'm going to read Psalm 42, verses 1 through 5 to get us started. It says this, As a deer pants for flowing streams, so pants my soul for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When shall I come and appear before God? My tears have been my food day and night, while they say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I would go with the throng and lead them in the procession to the house of God with glad shouts and songs of praise, a multitude-keeping festival. Why are you cast down, O my soul, and why are you in turmoil within me? Hoping God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation. Now, I, I think there could have been, I could have given a far more dramatic rendering of what he's saying, but this is a pleading of a man to know and be in the presence of God once again. We don't know why this man is far from God at the moment, but he is literally not in the presence. So we have to go a little bit Old Testament history, what's going on. So, for the people of God to commune with God, it was a different thing than it is today, which we'll talk about in just a moment. But it was a different thing. So if they wanted to go and to worship and to experience God's presence and his, his love and, all, and learn from his teaching, they actually had to show up to the temple, right, to the synagogue. They had to go, and that's where they would worship. That's where there was access to God. They had to have a mediator in the priests that would go, and then every year also draw them and remove their sins so that they could even talk to God, experience God, know God. And so for some reason, this, this man is, is not accessible to the temple. 
This probably means he's not in his hometown. He's probably not in Jerusalem. He's away, and he is trying to find a way. Lord, I want to be with you again. How do I do it, even though I am distanced from where I normally commune with you? So the history of the sons of Korah, and Anthony, wherever he's at, wrote a great blog this week. If you want a more in-depth view of who these guys, who are the author of this psalm, are, please go and read that. But I'll give you the bullet points. The sons of Korah are the great, 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 great grandsons of a bad dude named Korah, okay? Korah was a man who rebelled against Moses and Aaron, and you can go read the whole story, but he was rebelling against them. God, in his judgment, swallowed up Korah and all of his family except for his sons, so he'd allowed some of the descendants. We don't know why, just in God's mercy, he allows this lineage to continue, and the great, 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 great grandsons become the sons of Korah that we know from the book of Psalms as they write and fight. These men fought alongside David and his armies. These men also wrote many of the Psalms that we see, the songs that the people of God would sing in temple worship. This incredible, just knowing the story and the history, the redemptive moment that exists in knowing that these guys, man, if you look back in their lineage and their heritage, they had no reason to be writing the Psalms for the people of God. But God redeems, God brings back God restores. And so these men, as they write these songs, I think they think through their many years of history and know, God, we do not deserve you, but you have brought us back in. You spared us, and so now we serve you. Because of God's goodness, they worship and praise and live out for us. We know the gospel, and because the gospel so shows us his love through the cross and resurrection, now we live in obedience to that. This is just a perfect picture of this. May the desperation that these people experience here be the desperation we have for God as well, albeit again in just a moment we'll talk how it's a bit different for us now. He longs when, when, when can we spend time together again, God? And I just ask us, and I want you to be as real as you can with your heart right now and with your life. How often do you find yourself on any given day just desiring to be with God? I mean, truly, just wherever, wherever you're at, not, not just at church, right, not just in your small group, not, not just when you decided to open up your Bible, but you're just sitting, you're watching Netflix, you're playing a sport, you're watching a game, you're climbing, you're doing something outdoors, indoors, doesn't matter, and your affection was to be in the presence of God. When was the last time? How often? As I began to, to analyze my own heart in this, man, I, I was convicted because it doesn't happen as often as I think someone who gets the gospel the way I do should. God, I want to I I know you. I want to be with you. I, wanna, I just want to spend time praising you. How, how, often, how often do you, and let's, okay, the word of God, right, teaches about him is, is, is the word, right, the word incarnate Christ. So even as we open it up, how long, how often do you long to be in the word of God to learn about him, to experience his presence through the logos? How often, how often do you stop and do you pray to really just get down on your knees no matter where you're at because you just want to talk and commune with God? How often, church? We are the people of God. And listen, I'm not going to assume everyone in here is a Christian. Many of you are not. That happens every week. Thank you for being here. But if you're in a, here and a Christian, we're the church. We're the people of God who live in response to the gospel. The number one longing of our heart should be him and him alone. And man, I just wonder, is that true? Because a church who does not long for God is not a church that will be all that useful to the world that is broken that we just confess and repented upon. 
man, as, as we push into this, as we, as we allow this man's psalm and this song to be our prayer, man, I think that changes things for us. I, th- I think we, we have to be shaped by this reality. So let's keep going. Um, where are we at? Verse 6. Verse 6. My soul is cast down within me. Therefore, I remember you from the land of Jordan and Hermon, from Mount Miser. Deep calls to deep at roar of your waterfalls. All your breakers and your waves have gone over me. By the day that the Lord commands his steadfast love, and as night his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. So what do we do? Okay, so in this desperation, in this long for God, what do we do? I think we do what this guy does, is he remembers the Lord. That's it. What do you do? You remember God. So in this longing for death, I I want to be with you. Okay, well, remember him. It's very practical. What has he done? What is he doing? What uh, What does he continuously want to do in your life moving forward? Many of you guys, uh, hopefully, and kiddos, if you've seen the movie Inside Out, right, um, which is just brilliant. In fact, Anthony, we're somewhat not joking, but maybe we'll actually do this in the fall. It's a class on, on the gospel of Inside Out. Like, if you get into that thing, it is redemptive all over the place. I think kids are getting saved. They don't even know it as they watch it. It's amazing. Um, but in Inside Out, right, the whole thing is as they lose these core memories, right, as they begin to forget what has happened, when she begins to forget what happens, she doesn't know who she is anymore. And she begins to act out in a lack of memory instead of truly what is true in the past of her life. So, so, so what do we do in this desperation and longing for God? We remember what God has done. We remember his faithfulness, remember his character, remember who he is. So we go back and we think, through, okay, God, what have you done? What, what, what has been true of you, not, not just in my life, but in the world? And we remember and we reflect and we spend time on that. And so I asked us three questions this morning. Who is God to you? What has God done in your life and how is God asking you to love him moving forward? Okay, I'll, I'll say him again. Who is God to you? Like, truly, do you triage your life to think through this? I think this is what moves us in that desperation to think through who God is. Who is God to me? God, what, what, have you, who are, what have you done? What have I seen you do? What have you made in me? And how is God asking you to love him? What does this mean moving forward? It's got to be full circle. We analyze the past, the gospel shapes us, and then we move forward. The sons of Korah, what up, guys? Y'all are cute. We remember what God has done. Okay, so now remembering God, though, and again, I would love to spend more time on this. We're going to move quick. Is remember God in this if he is your God. Right? Like if you have acknowledged what he has done, if you've understood the depths to which he went to make you new, that if you're here and you're a Christian, the Bible says you're a new creation. The old has passed away, the new has come. That if you're here and you're a Christian, you no longer need to run this rat race to this world and try and prove yourself to everyone around you because God has fully justified you. That if you're in here and you're a Christian, that The death that you and I, the penalty that you and I deserve to pay ourselves was paid by Jesus on the cross. That if you're here and you're a Christian, that the life that now we long to live, this newness that so overwhelms us or should, was purchased because Jesus rose from the dead and defeated Satan, sin, and death. This is what has happened. These truths, if they are true to you, if you reflect on them, they can only move us one direction, and I think it's hope and praise. I love this about the Psalms, and I love what, what, what James said, is that you often see yet, yet, yet in the Psalms. That in the doubt, in the desperation, in the distance, in whatever, yet God, this is who you are. 
and so I will praise. When we remember him, it leads us to hope and praise. And so we continue to read in verse 9. I says, I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why do I go on mourning because of the oppression of my enemy? As with a deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me. While they say to me all day long, where is your God? Why are you cast down, O my soul? And why are you in turmoil within me? Hope in God, for I shall again praise him, my salvation and my God. I think he's writing this after just reflecting, saying, God, this is what you've done. And so in the midst of this, why, soul? Why are you in turmoil right now? Why the anxiety? Why the fear? Why am I I being driven by these things instead of being driven by you and what you've done? This course correction, this reorientation that I think needs to happen, honestly, on the daily, on the minute. Like, we just constantly need to be reflecting, God, what have you done? What have you done? What have you done? What does that mean for me right now? What does that mean for me tomorrow? What does that mean for me next year? Moving towards hope and to praise. Um... I want us to remember together as we wrap up here. And I encourage you to really to sit down and spend time with your kids. And, and, and I'll say this, we've, we've got some to-go packets for, for all you families to make sure you take that you can go and revisit these ideas. Uh, the purpose of the cup, right? So we thirst and, um, and to take that little piece of she- that sheet of paper out and color that. Spend time with your kids talking over these verses. What does this mean for us? What has God done for your family? What has God done for your children? What does God want to do for their lives moving forward? And spend that time in prayer as a family moving forward. But I want us to remember this morning, and I encourage you to share this story with your children, not just in this moment, but as you go this week. And it says this, and this is uh, from the Gospel of Mark. It says, and at the ninth hour, Jesus cried with a loud voice, Eloi, Eloi, lama sabachthani, which means, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? And Jesus uttered a loud cry and breathed his last And the curtain of the temple was torn in two from top to bottom. When the centurion who stood facing him saw that in this way he breathed his last, he said, truly, this man was the son of God. So we fast forward to the New Testament. And again, what we see is another story of distance. So we had a son of Korah in Psalm 42 experienced the distance from God. He cannot access him because he's not where he normally communes with the Lord. And then we fast forward to the gospel, and we fast forward to Jesus Christ, and we see another man experiencing distance from God, this time for the very first time in his life, and he did it for us. That Jesus Christ on the cross, God, why have you forsaken me? Why why am I here? Why do I not experience the communion that you and I have always had? Why am I distant from you, Lord? Because in his distance... And in his death, he closes the gap for mankind to be with him again. See, the veil torn in two. See, this was a huge deal because the veil is what separated God and just the mortals and human beings who did not deserve access to him. But in Christ distancing himself from God for the sake of his death and then his resurrection, the veil is torn in two and access is now given to mankind. So now we, listen, if we could still write a Psalm 42, but it's different. Right? Psalm 42 can't be written in the same way anymore because the access to God does not mean, let me make my trip to the temple. You don't need to be here to talk to God. I wonder 
if the son of Korah, if he could just time warp to today, right? If he could just time warp to today, like he left this moment when he wrote this psalm, God, I just want to be with you. And if somehow he could be brought to today, and he would just begin to sit down with us, and we'd say, oh, yeah, we, t- we could just talk to him whenever we want. Oh, no, he's here right now. Oh, you don't know the story because the veil was torn because Christ died the death we deserve, lived the life we could never live, died, uh, and then was resurrected to give us new life. Now we have access to him. And just, man, to allow his mind to just be blown, right? Just brain matter ooing from his head. That's too graphic for kids. I apologize. I just wonder what you'd think. Wait, you can just talk to him whenever you want. You can just be with God whenever you want. He's just, he's just accessible now. And then I fear that if I'm having that conversation with him, I would say, yeah, and I take it for granted every day. I'd say, yeah, yeah, we can, but man, I don't, I don't, I usually just go play soccer. I I usually just turn on the TV. yeah, I, I, can, I could open up and I, could, and I could read his word, but guess what, man? Now the Holy Spirit, it, it's, not just, it's just not just like hanging out. It's in here and, and teaches me about the Bible. But it exposes more of God. And then how do I act? Again, church, listen, this is, what we, this is where we got to be. We need to long for God as we think through the pain and the brokenness of our world today. And we, if you long for the Lord, I think, if we long to know more of him, if we reflect on who he is, if we move towards praise and celebration, when we look at such brokenness as we have are all around us, prayer, lament, we can be honest about the hurt, we can listen, we can engage. We have to be that church for this city, for our world. We just have to be. Because that's who God's called us to be. Because he was faithful. Not because you're faithful, because he's faithful, because he's good. We long for that God. When we, I'm done in like a minute here, right? If, when I'm off the stage, Anthony will come up. He's going to lead us in the time of response. You're responding to the God who is here right now. And if you're here and a Christian lives right inside your body, which is weird. That, that's what happens. We celebrate and praise him. Because he has done the work we couldn't. He experienced the distance that we could never close and closed it in his death, tearing the veil to give us access. Pursue God. Rejoice in God. Let us be a people desperate for him. One more illustration for our kiddos. Many of you guys saw Finding Nemo. I just went all Pixar. I don't know how to talk to children. And so I'm just like, Pixar. Um, Finding Nemo, right? And and again, if you want to use this for the kids, and there's like no kid actually listening right now, that's all right. Finding Nemo, you see a father's reckless pursuit for his son. Again, you, you want to talk redemptive themes. You see a father's reckless pursuit for his son. He engages in things he doesn't want to engage in. He goes after his son to win and to have his son back with him. That is the story of the Bible. Nemo did nothing. Nemo was broken, right? Like a little flipper. Aw, he had a little flipper. Jeez, I'm being rude. Um, People are like, ah. No, we see the reckless pursuit of a father after his son. Psalm 42 for us is a psalm of desperation for the sons of Korah. 
It's a song of celebration for the church. We, we can sing today, we can celebrate today, we rejoice today, we pray today. Because in that distance that the Son of Korah could not eclipse, again, the Father pursued his children, closed the gap, and now we have access to him. I read from the message, Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. It says this, So friends, we can now, without hesitation, walk right up to God into the holy place. Jesus has cleared the way by the blood of his sacrifice, acting as our priest before God. The curtain into God's presence is his body. So let's do it full of belief, confident that we're presentable inside and out. Let us keep a firm grip on the promises that keep us going. He always keeps his word. Let's see how inventive we can be in encouraging love and helping out, not avoiding worshiping together as some do, but spurring each other on, especially as we see the big day approaching. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that a distance we could not span, you span for us. And so even a psalm, like Psalm 42, a, a guy who just so desperately just wants to be with you, God, that is, that is just true for us today. And I want to pray for all those here that know you and love you, the Christians in the room, God, that we would, man, just, we would take advantage. We'd have that desperate longing for you. We'd analyze our own hearts. We'd analyze the things that are blocking us from having that desperation and on and on and on that we would know you more and live out of that for the sake of our neighbor. Bless those around us, Lord. For those here who don't know you, wouldn't call themselves a Christian, God, I, you spanned that distance for them. God, would they see that? Would they acknowledge that? And would you draw them into a saving knowledge of your grace and goodness? God, would you bring and place your Holy Spirit in their hearts and draw them into your family today. Span that chasm and that distance, Lord. And bless us now as we respond to your name, we pray. Amen.